Friends, we are back with another very special stay-at-home self-quarantine episode of The BrandoCast. And for the first time ever on this show, people, you know that I'm a music nerd. You know that I've seen Iron Maiden 39 times. I've seen Rush almost as many. I named my dog Ozzy, and I dress like I'm a member of The Replacements. But today, we are going to talk about a band that I have no fucking idea about. No fucking idea about it all. I have just learned about this band who happens to be one of the biggest bands in the world in the last 24 hours because of my guest today. Joining me, you know I've had so many comedy heavy hitters on this show, but I don't think that I've ever had anyone who is as skilled and accomplished as my guest today. She is a writer. She is a producer. She is a director. She created Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and she's written on a ton of different shows like Murphy Brown, The Simpsons, and even NC Goddamn IS. She's also written for Rolling Stone, Vanity Fair, and she is also the author of Just the Funny Parts and A Few Hard Truths About Sneaking Into the Hollywood Boys Club, which is the story of a nerdy girl from New England who fought her way to the top of the very male-dominated entertainment industry. Ladies and gentlemen, it's only one person I'm talking about today, and that is Nell Scovell. Hey, thanks for having me. How the hell are you? Well, I, I, I'm pandemic good. Mm-hmm. You know, I think with, with all things considered, um, I'm on the, I am on the East Coast, and it gets dark around 4.30 here, so it's dark and cold, which suits all our moods. But, you know, there's that light at the end of the tunnel, so... Just looking forward to January. I'm well, going to go I, into a food coma around Christmas, and then I'll wake up and Biden will be president. Um, Nell, I have been in a food coma since March 9th. <laughs> I have been on a steady diet of Domino's Pizza and Del Taco. Um, I, uh, they say that there's a pandemic 15. I think mine is a pandemic 35. You know, I I was a constant basketball player at the Hollywood YMCA. That has been taken away from me. Uh, Now with this mustache, I think I look like Ron Jeremy's brother, uh, Jeff. I think I look like Jeff Jeremy. So I apologize to you because we're meeting for the first time right now via the power of Zoom. Uh, But though I've seen you and I've been following you on Twitter for such a long time, I am a a fan of your writing. And And you come highly recommended by your funny lady friend. Uh, that would be Julia Wallaf, uh, who who has to put up with Who's the pandemic amazing. 35, who is amazing and puts up uh, very lovingly with the pandemic 35. Uh, I have not been condemned for that. But uh, yeah, so I've been in a food coma for a long goddamn time. And I'm sure you're also really sad about um, about uh, the Biden administration coming in in January. I'm sure that, that is just soul crushing to you, just having read everything that you've written. That what a, what a difficult period of time we're going to be entering into if he actually is inaugurated. Someone wrote, I, it was it cracked me up that they did the stages. Um, you know, there's the stages of grief. And so they did the Trump state 10 stages of grief and they just, it was just anger and denial back and forth. (laughs) Well, not to date when we're recording this particular podcast, but today uh, the big orange monster got up in front of a a whole bunch of reporters to talk about, uh, you know, operation warp drive or what is it? Warp speed vaccination or whatever. And all he did was vent about uh, the election and, and basically said he's not going anywhere. 
because oh. they said they one of the reporters literally said this was like 30 minutes ago literally said are, are you going to start to help the transition team and you could see the rage just bubble up from his fingertips and it just rushed into his eyes if you could pick anyone to handcuff him and drag him out who would you choose god that is god damn it that is such a good question uh e Jean carroll yeah, but then she'd have to touch him. I was thinking, <laughs> I actually think Kathy Griffin would be great. Wow. Or Rosie. Maybe Rosie and Kathy together. <laughs> but like wearing wearing um, hazmat suits so they don't actually have to touch his orange, slimy skin. How about every woman that worked at Scores in the 90s? <laughs> That's it. That's who I want. I want to see a team of women. I want to see every Miss November from roughly 1980 to 2013. I want to see them all as a team drag him out of the White House, kicking and screaming. I mean, what? It it just it, he's a gift that keeps on giving in a way. But uh, I'm exhausted by it. Yeah. No, I am too. And and look forward to um, you know. Y- yesterday, I saw John Oliver posted this very weird, funny video about the Pringles potato crisp man. <laughs> They're p- potato crisp, not potato chips, because they actually don't um, meet the standards <laughs> of potato <laughs> chips. But um, it was so weird and funny, and it I got excited because we'll get to go back to just being weird and funny and not scared all the time. Uh, but that is the thing. And, and even he, 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 he's able to deny us the, the joy of the election with these endless lawsuits. I can't wait for that to end because I, I feel like until he leaves, he's actually removed. I can't enjoy anything yet, uh, to your point. I oh. mean, it, it's exhausting. I think he's up to losing 50 lawsuits. I I don't know if you saw I posted the other day that I wish Carl Reiner were still alive so he could have seen Trump lose over and over and that um, I thought he would have enjoyed it. It's kind of like Rob Petrie, you know, um, tripping over the Ottoman (laughs) at the beginning (laughs) of every Dick Van Dyke show. And um, so I'm enjoying it. I I think he's, he's not getting anywhere. Were you ever slightly concerned sometime in like late October, right before the election? Was there was there a piece of you that was like, you know what? The son of a bitch is gonna do it. He's gonna win re-election. Tuesday night, election <laughs> night. <laughs> election night. I'm so angry I did this. I actually was so sure he was going to win. I went on Twitter and I deleted. <laughs> so many like negative tweets. I was like, this is it. They're cracking down. They're going to come after me and my family. And then I went searching for one because it it had been a prediction and I couldn't find it. And then I was like, oh, that's right. I thought like late at night, that's what I was doing. (laughs) Yeah. You know, here on the, on the West coast, uh, I'm here in the, the city of Los Angeles. And because of the of the time difference, you know, nine o'clock is when things started to get squirrely in the sense that we were not going to get a clear, clear cut victory when North Carolina didn't go. That felt icky. Florida uh, wasn't well, looking well, good. What the what? What the hell is wrong with Florida? The only thing I look forward to is climate change, just wiping it off the 
the face of the earth. In fact, I wonder, did you see Ivanka and Jared just spend $30 million on this billionaire's island? And I was like, please let a hurricane hit it. <laughs> like, how beautiful would that be? Well, I, I have no question that he's good, that the, the, the big orange monster is going to retire to Mar-a-Lago and probably never leave. Uh, you know, he can certainly get shipments of cocaine, Adderall and strippers to Mar-a-Lago, as has been the case for decades. But um, will they ever be welcome back? Will Jared and Ivanka ever be able to go uh, out to eat in Manhattan again without uh, getting a dirty look? That's what I want to know. Are you in New York? Do you live in New York? I have lived in New York. Okay. I'm in the Boston area. Okay, at the you're moment. in the Boston area. All right. Well, he's not welcome in Boston. Yeah. That's for sure. A lot of good comedy out of Boston. I know. What is that all about? It's it really is amazing. Some of my favorite comedians. I just had, I had Dana Gould on this uh, podcast oh, not too long ago. So funny. Yeah. What is it about Boston that produces amazing comedic minds? Oh, um, I think it's the repression and New uh, Hampshire too. I'll add in New Hampshire because I used to spend three months a year in New Hampshire, and of course that's you know Sarah Silverman and Adam Sandler and Seth Meyers. I think is from there yep. too. Yes, he is. Um, I think it's just, yeah, the repression and wanting to rebel against the, you know, the Puritan upbringing. Now, is that uh, is that featured in your book, Just the Funny Parts? Is there part of like this is the story of a young woman who wanted to rebel against the atmosphere around her? I, you know, I, I write, a, I was so focused on sports when I was a kid. I was just obsessed because I grew up when the, um, in the late 60s and early 70s when the Red Sox and the Celtics and the Bruins were, you know, all world champions or in the Red Sox case, close to, <laughs> to world champions. And we all, you know, we like comedy. I like movies, but I didn't go to stand up or, or anything like that. But also since you, you're, there's music involved in this podcast, I understand, uh, you know, some great Boston bands, too. I had Frank Black from the Pixies on this which was uh, a life highlight for me. Oh, nice. My brain almost broke uh, during the show because he's literally one of my idols. He lives in Western Massachusetts and he has a little kind of a little tiny farm. He loves to grow things and make things and make cheese and bread. And I basically just let him talk about that for about 40 minutes. Uh, I didn't. I didn't want to interrupt his flow. I didn't want to like get in there and ask him about being a young band in Boston or what clubs did you guys play in when you first started out. He didn't want any of that. I just, how do you make cheese? What's your process? Do you have live chickens right now? And so, life highlight for me. I mean, I know all the Boston alternative bands were a giant part of my life. Well, not even just the alternative, you know, I, if every now and then I'll, I'll think like, it's been a long time since I've heard foreplay and it's been such a long time. And what's better than that transition when the drums come in into, you know, the guitar riff, but I grew up, you know, like that's in my soul. That's, that's in part your soul. of my DNA. Do you enjoy the Aerosmith? I'm okay with Aerosmith. Don't <laughs> love them. The cars were, you know, kind of more. Yeah, understood. And Why Blondie. I mean, Blondie was, she was my idol. Oh, she was? Yeah. Oh, Did her standing ever... with her, with her fists on her hips on, on parallel lines. That to me, that was my lean in. <laughs> like that was a powerful woman. The guys served her, right? They were, she was dead center. 
Is there is there a Massachusetts element to Blondie that I don't know about? Is are some of the guys no. from Boston? Okay, but, but no. That's but Chris a- Stein follows me on Twitter, and we've had some interactions, and he's delightful. Yeah, he, and, he's he's another hilarious follow on Twitter. And Debbie Harry was in the pilot of Sabrina the Teenage Witch because she was dating my friend Penn Gillette at the time. Oh and my! Penn and Teller were going to be on the Witches Council. And we wanted a female. And I said, would Debbie do it? And he asked her and she said, yes. Um, and she, so she's in the pilot of Sabrina being very funny. And um, she gave me a nickname. She Debbie gave Harry you a... gave me a nickname. She, she called me Nelly Belly. The only other person who's ever called me that was my grandmother. And I was like, that's, I love two people I love. Well, but first don't of all, try to if, call me Nelly Belly. It's no, no, no. Like, I, I wouldn't dare. Debbie I, Harry and my grandma. I I would not dare. I would say that Debbie Harry could call me anything she wants. <laughs> it doesn't matter if, when you're christened when you're christened by a god, you got to go with it. But Nelly Belly, did she call you Nelly Belly on set yeah, as you were giving notes? <laughs> <laughs> no, she she had just flown in from Europe and was was just like, tell me what you want to do. <laughs> just put me. Put me in a chair. <laughs> wow. That is, that's incredible, Blondie. A goddess, if you will. All right. So on that note, why don't we jump into <laughs> what we're going to talk about today. Again, a band that I know absolutely nothing about when I asked Nell Scavell to do the show. She threw out the topic. The topic was BTS. BTS are a seven-member South Korean boy band that debuted in 2013. The Septet co-write and co-produce much of their own stuff. Originally a hip-hop group, their musical style has evolved to include a wide range of genres, and their lyrics touch on the themes of mental health, the journey towards loving oneself, and individualism. As of 2019, BTS are purportedly worth more than $4.65 billion to the South Korean economy each year. They attract one in every 13 foreign tourists that visit South Korea. Now, I want to give you two more things, two more bits of information about BTS, again, who I've just discovered in the last 24 hours, even though I know they're bigger than God right now. Currently, this song, Dynamite, if you go on YouTube, this song has 673,236,676 views, which means to me, Nels Cavell, that if those guys wanted to go into NBC and pitch show, NBC would buy whatever they were pitching, correct? Oh, if Disney isn't developing a feature, an animated musical feature for them right now, I would be shocked. (laughs) And I would happily write it, too. Oh, would you? Would you? Yeah, because they're they're just, they're they're family-friendly, they're very wholesome, but, but, you know, flirt with sexiness, so they're not um, annoyingly wholesome. And uh, they they're really good singers. Uh, and and the, and I'm understanding that they're also good dancers as well. Correct? Fantastic. And they also they have a reality show in Korea. Oh, I, I okay. Tell me, tell yeah. me more. Well, no, they're just like they all live together, so it's it's like any of those reality shows, you know, Big Brother, and they're. Um, 
you know, they fight and they play games and uh, you know, people can't get enough of them. You know, there are people who are learning to speak Korean because, you know, young women. You are? Um, I, I just pointed at myself via Zoom to say this. Um, in preparation for the show, I went on uh, YouTube to um, because BTS stands for like it, it's bulletproof the, the, bulletproof Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts. <laughs> okay, and so I'm going to botch this. Boy, Th- there's a there's there's a very scary element to the show because I, I really could hit the racist button pretty quickly, and I'm a, I'm a pretty good guy, but <laughs> holy Christ, that they set out a lot of landmines for me here. But let me try to pronounce the Korean version of bulletproof Boy Scouts, and that is. Bangtan Sunyundan. And I went on YouTube and I watched a young girl say that over and over and over again. <laughs> Just because of this goddamn band, I will not attempt to say anyone's name. I am assuming that there, there, there's a guy named AJ in the band. There always seems to be an AJ in, in boy bands. <laughs> but I, I also. Way, they're all cute. You know, in most boy bands, it's like there's the cute one. Like they're. I would say six out of the seven are really cute. <laughs> and then the other one is super popular because there's a kind of girl who likes the one who isn't as cute as all the others. Uh, okay. I was going to actually say to you, as a very straight man who's seen Iron Maiden 39 times, <laughs> there's not one mutt in the band. That's the best <laughs> way that I can say that. I don't know which guy you're talking about that a certain type of Korean woman likes him because he's less attractive than the other men. Oh, I, I don't think it's just Korean women. I think okay. if any, yeah, I think you feel badly. Well, he's, he's had some depression issues too. Oh. So, so, you know, you could make him happy, right? <laughs> That's the thinking. If oh, my love could make him happy, yeah. Oh, okay, so th- actually, that- there's a song they sing called "Save Me." Save, save that me. guy, save the mutt in the band, save the mutt of the seven. But it's it's just like that's women love that shit. <laughs> yes, well, I, I uh, Nell, this is too much information, but I've been in Al-Anon for 21 years, so I've heard that story. Yeah. Four billion times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Roughly. Especially- as many times as people have watched the Dynamite video. <laughs> well, and that's, again, th- it, we're approaching almost 700 million views on YouTube. Um, let me pitch out a show. Here's the show that I see. I, it's a musical. It's not a half-hour comedy. It's an hour. I'm going to say it's a musical starring all seven members of BTS, and they are all young doctors working in the same hospital. Do you see it? I, I love it. I love it. Because <laughs> are they funny? Should I know about that? Are they funny? I like that they each do different specialties. Uh, uh, I don't right? see. I don't know that. I don't know that. Do they? No, no. Like medical specialties. Oh, okay. Like, you yes, know, yes, like yes. One's yes. the cardiac and yes. one, one's the neuro, neurosurgeon. And Yes. Yeah. I like that. So they have to consult with each other. Maybe the, the less attractive member of BTS is the, is the uh, OBGYN. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Or he's the plastic surgeon, because all the plastic surgeons in L.A. seem to be uh, very unattractive uh, white guys. Anyway, thank you for the gift of BTS, because, again, uh, you know, because of what I listen to and um, how I like to uh, spend my downtime, 
I know that they're out there. I know that they've been, you know, everywhere. The, the video music awards, a billion things. And the fact that they are responsible for one in every 13 tourists in South Korea, that is another incredible uh, statistic that um, I read this morning. Well, you know, one of their big breakthroughs in America was they did a version of Old Town Road with Lil Nas X called Soul Town Road. So that was one of the mixes that kept that song at number one. And they come in and they do a rap in Korean in the middle of that song. And then people might also know Boy With Love, which was um, a song they did with Halsey. Is that how you pronounce Halsey? Yeah, Halsey. Mm -hmm. Halsey. Mm -hmm. And I don't know much about her. I know way more about BTS than I know about Halsey. Do you know anything about her? No, because I will admit this, and I've admitted this on the podcast before. This guy that you're talking to uh, was the ultimate... I'm I'm John Cusack's character in High Fidelity, (laughs) right? So I grew up in Pittsburgh. I'm hardcore Gen X. You know, you, my life starts with the Beatles and Kiss and Elton John and Queen and the Bee Gees, and then it moves to heavy metal. There was a, my, my parents got divorced, and my mother took us to New Mexico. New Mexico is very heavy metal. Then when I went to college in Chicago, I was kind of a punk rock guy, guy who liked post-punk and American alternative. I got to the point a few years ago where I, was ex- I had exhausted my own self because I was the guy that always had to be the guy that knew of a band before it came out. Like the guy that could see a band getting together before anybody else. I was that asshole. I was just that snob, that record store snob without working in a record store. So I, I exhausted myself from this per- pursuit. And now to relax, I pretty much listen to nothing but the association and the turtles. Like that's, that's <laughs> really how, old school. I swear to God, if I hear a Sonny and Cher song, you know, uh, I collect uh, vintage music. Oh. Or, you know, old 60s and 70s. You know, so if I hear, here comes that rainy day feeling again, Mac I'm Davis? happy. Yeah. Though no, that was, uh, they were called the Fortunes. Oh, Though the Mac Fortune. Davis would have been perfect to record that song. Um, yeah. So I've gone back. I think that the music that was in the air when I was a baby, <laughs> that's what right. is making me happy these days. So I don't know anymore. And it's so liberating for me to say, I don't know how to pronounce Halsey. Is it Halsey or Halsey? I don't even know who she is anymore. <laughs> you know? Well, one, one thing I do like about BTS is that they're, they're not just, um, I mean, they're called K-pop, but, you know, they'll do a song that's kind of a Latin pop theme, and they'll do some rap stuff, and then, you know, Dynamite is just great sort of disco Michael Jackson PYT vibe. Although, they've been doing a lot of choreography that references MJ, you know, with the grabbing of the crotch and the hat. And like someone needs to tell them that he his reputation isn't so good these days. Okay, so so they they do sprinkle, they do pay homage to Michael Jackson in some of their stuff. Yeah. I did notice that on the dynamite. Someone should tell them, why don't you? Should we call them? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just gonna put a billboard up on Sunset. Like, hey, BTS guys. Let's just say he would have liked you all like 10 years ago. (laughs) Well, that would be a mega sleepover at the uh, the Jackson Estate in Encino. All seven dudes from BTS coming to to spend. I mean, they're too old now. They're like 24 to 28 or something. So. Uh I was going to ask you that because I don't know how old they are. Actually, one, I think it's 22 to 28. 
And in fact, the Korean government just had to change the terms of military service. What, what, what? You were supposed to, every male is um, obligated to spend, I think it's 17 months in the military uh-huh. and uh, before the age of 28. But the oldest member of BTS, Jin, just turned 28. And so they had to extend it to 30 so that he wasn't breaking the law. Oh, my. Um, yeah, I think they're going to let him uh, give them a pass, which they've done for Olympic winners in the past. But well, what if BTS could unite the two Koreas? Well, that. Holy Christ, Nell. Wait, I'm going to yeah. put a pin in that because I'm going to read a couple things and we're going to come back to that very important point because I can't believe that she said that. BTS debuted in 2013 with their single album, Too Cool for School. In 2014, BTS released their first Korean-language studio album, Dark and Wild, and their first Japanese-language studio album, Wake Up. Their group's second Korean studio album, Wings, and this was released in 2016, was their very first to sell a million copies in Korea. Okay, so let's go back to that. Do you think that it is remotely possible that the BTS music has made it across the uh, the border into North Korea? Oh, I would, I would be shocked if it hadn't. Don't you think there must be a black market? There, there, there must. Yeah. Well, if there is, that's got to be like such a hot commodity. Uh, hot commodity. It's not even funny. BTS uh, CDs. Yeah. Uh, I, I can see a dude out of a you know a beat up old uh, North Korean van trying to sell like really bad cassettes. Maybe they're still listening to eight tracks in North Korea. I the, uh, the older I get, yeah, the dumber palming I get. A, a, a microchip in someone's hand that <laughs> they attach to their computer. But they're they're worldwide, so it would be very weird if like they they're listened to all over the planet except in North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, but they are the thing that could liberate a whole entire country. That, I, that, that statistic you um, cited about how many billions they bring in to the uh, tourist trade, isn't it's remarkable. It's bonkers. You know, yeah. I would say that, you know, Tom Cruise might be responsible for one out of every 25,000 Ohioans who come to Hollywood. <laughs> uh, you know, but we do begin- have to pay homage to Gangnam Style, which started this whole thing. Yes, and who was that gentleman's name? What was his name again? Oh, I don't remember. It's, it's not Rico Suave. It's not uh, Ricky Martin. It's the guy who sang Gangnam Style. And where is he? I have no idea, but that was a huge, giant hit. I but was he the, one of the first K-pop stars? right? Si- yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so was he the beginning of K-pop? Teach me. I assume so. I mean, I don't, I don't know that much, but he's can. I can't think of another Korean pop star, but that exploded, and I, I still don't quite understand it. And I, I don't know. Maybe he's like the father of all the BTS guys <laughs> <laughs> with seven different women. Or, um, but I think my guess is. It was that realization, too, after the Cold War, probably, of, like, we can export cars and export television sets, and then it became we can export culture. Because, mm. you know, movies were so huge there. American movies were making so much money. And then, so we also have, you know, Snowpiercer and Parasite and these great South Korean movies yes. um, that have started to come from there. 
So then you build the community with know-how and, you know, while Hollywood is stuck in the 50s, you know, they're, they're doing, I mean, I love Snowpiercer. I was, yeah. uh, Parasite, I didn't get as much as other people, but I, I recently rewatched Snowpiercer and that's an amazing movie. Uh, that is on Netflix right now. I will admit to you that because of the stress of the pandemic, the way that um, I like to relax at night, there, I've been watching two things. Alone, which is a reality show where they drop 10 survivalists into uh, uh, different spots around the world. We, they've done Mongolia. They've done Patagonia. They've done Vancouver Island twice. Oh. And they drop these people into a remote location. You're only allowed to bring like 10 things, a fishing line, an axe, a knife, and you're, you're alone. And they give you $65,000 worth of camera equipment that you're supposed to use to shoot yourself. And the last person standing wins $500,000. And every season, it's the same beats. It's starvation. It's Ooh. inability to catch fish. It's you light your hut on fire. Uh, it's you're scared of bears, you're scared of pumas, medical problems that come up as a result of dehydration. I mean, it's really crazy, uh, but mostly the aloneness eventually kills you. And I'm just um, endlessly fascinated by it. Um, that's what I have been watching to, um, to sort of... Uh, so would you, you know, if someone called and said, we want you to d be a contestant on Alone, would you do it? I would last... I, I, I said this to someone the other day. I think I could last four days. There's zero chance that I'm going to be able to catch a mouse. All, everyone ends up eating a mouse on the show. A hundred percent of the people. I, I do not fish. I do not hunt. I am certainly not going to try to kill a wild boar with a, a stick that I've been sharpening for a week. Um, and I certainly would not be able to catch a rabbit in a, in a snare using the special wire that they all bring. So I'm going to starve. Uh, yeah, I, but I think I. But, could, but now you've I watched the show, it. so yeah. haven't you learned how to do these things? No, <laughs> no, because <laughs> no, these people, these are all the top level people. These are all the nuts, all the crunchy people. These are the top level crunchy people who know how to build ancient traps. Uh, I, I don't. Again, I've seen Iron Maiden thirty nine times. I know how to do that. Other stuff, no. <laughs> you know, the the boiling of water, the eating of plants. There have been a bunch of herbalists on this show. They're able to like look down on the ground and go, I can eat that, I can eat that, I can eat that. Yeah. Like, unless someone drops a snicker bar on the ground, like, <laughs> I, I, like I'm not eating these pieces. Yeah, I'm not wow. eating. Uh, I, I'm not afraid. I've I've done a lot of wilderness. I have actually done a lot of wilderness stuff. I'm lucky enough uh, to have gone all over the West and camped and done all that kind of stuff but i've always been in a situation where we've got food provided and, and all that stuff i'm not a, i'm not afraid of bears i'm not afraid of mountain lions that's all good but um yeah i think i would last four or five days i i want to do i want to shoot that show i want to do a griffith park version where you you, you, you you it's it's just you're you're in your spot in griffith park and you just let's just see who can exist in griffith park for as long as possible i don't know how i got i'd watch uh, that you would watch that? Well, thank you. Yeah. No, I haven't seen Alone. What's the other thing you're watching? Vintage Kung Fu movies. Oh, nice. Yes, I swear to God. Uh, I, I am a sucker for, well, because I'm a nerd. Uh, so I watch 70s, uh, late 60s and 70s, uh, specifically Shaw Brothers Kung Fu movies that were made in Hong Kong that feature all the same actors. It's all the stuff before Jackie Chan. 
You know, give me a movie about a 2,000-year-old Shaolin monk who can fly and shoot lasers out of his eyes, and no one is happier than me. Okay, we are hearing mic drop in the background. Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) That's like hardcore heavy metal. They're trying to be, you know, Aerosmith in this one. (laughs) By 2017, BTS crossed into the global music market, leading the Korean wave into the United States and breaking numerous sales records. They became the first Korean group to receive a certification from the Recording Industry Association of America for their single, Mic Drop. And they were the first Korean act to top the Billboard charts with their studio album, Love Yourself, Tear. That was 2018. BTS also became the fastest group since the Beatles to earn four U.S. number one albums, doing so in less than two years. How about a show where we drop BTS into Mongolia with 10 items of their choice and see which member of BTS can last the longest? No, because they, they can't be alone. They travel together. They, they're always together. Okay, that's the vibe. Who yeah. do you think? Do you think that there's one of them that's getting ready to go Harry Styles? Because One Direction was a giant, huge thing, correct? Until Harry yeah, Styles but I decided think culture, that he. I think it's so different to come from a culture like the UK versus this culture in Korea, and they've these they've been training together for seven years. Okay, right, that's and the these difference. people. Okay. They're basically owned by Big Hit Entertainment, which just had an IPO and raised billions of dollars. And the, the, the performers now have shares and became millionaires. But before that, they were everything was provided for them by this big sugar daddy entertainment company. And they were it's, you know, it was an apprenticeship. So I don't think you come out of that and then go, yeah, I'm going to go be a single artist. Okay, understood. Or else you'll be executed, probably. Because <laughs> yes. I'm assuming that Big Hit Records is slightly mocked you, up. It turns out they give you a bill for like all those, the choreography and the outfits. And you're like, well, maybe I'll stay. <laughs> well, I was to that point, I was going to say the fashion there, if you watch a BTS video, people, every single shot, they're in a different outfit and really nice clothes, whether it's a suit or a ski outfit or just uh, be, what I would call BTS street style. There's just so much money and so much stuff. To, you know, I, I said we were talking about how much money they're responsible for. There was another figure that I didn't read that they are responsible for 0.3% of South Korea's GDP. And I think a lot of it is in fashion. I swear to God. Because right. if I'm Although a- they wear a lot of European fashion, like Chanel and Gucci and. How do you uh, know so much about BTS, Nelson? <laughs> because we've been in lockdown and they bring me joy. So anything that brings you joy and i'll okay i'll admit this i saw i think boy with love was probably the first time they were on my radar and i i saw them and i love dancing i grew up actually in the disco era too so uh, you know that that appealed to me that song is very poppy and i started watching more and more because i couldn't differentiate them and i really wanted to learn 
their faces. It, it bummed me out that my brain, which just isn't used to seeing that many Korean men who are all basically the same height <laughs> in one place. And, but, but also they change their hair constantly. They change color. They do pink. They do gray. They do purple. They do blue. They do blonde. They do black. Okay. So the guy with the blue hair that I've seen, that's not the guy with the blue hair. No. Oh, <laughs> he's not the guy with the blue hair at all. So, but I did it. And now I'm so proud of myself. I can see them with masks on and I can, mm. and I can recognize them just from their eyes. Wow. But it's also a really good, um, you know, just lesson in like, you just have to learn how to look. If you look more closely, then you see those differences and we're just, more attuned to them in the faces that we're used to seeing every day. Totally understood. I have said this on this podcast so many times, and this is my truth. The way that I listen to music, I was, you know, the Beatles are the first band that I obsess about as a little kid. And I get to understand the Ringo, John, Paul, and George as if they were characters in a movie, like they were just a characters in a big giant story. And I felt like I knew everything about each individual guy. All the bands that I've loved since then, I could tell you everything about every single member. And I think that the great bands sort of achieve that. U2 has that, The Clash has that, The Ramones have that. Fans of Black Sabbath can tell you everything about every member of Black Sabbath and not yeah. just Ozzy. It's just a thing. So I am just assuming that the people that love BTS know everything about each yeah. guy. Yeah. They do. Amazing. Favorite color, favorite food. And because they do this reality TV show, they're very accessible. Okay. So um, they're all living together in this reality yeah. TV By show. By the way, I also want to say I have trouble distinguishing the Foo Fighters. <laughs> well, no, but that's a good point. You're right. Yeah. We all know we all know Dave Grohl, uh, the king of uh, Generation X, and we all know Taylor Hawkins, but the other because guys... Because he's blonde. Right. We don't know. And they switch and out some of those And his kids went guys. to my kids' high school. Can I just say something? The one thing about living in L.A. that is so <laughs> annoying, I cannot tell you how many people I know who are like, oh, Dave Grohl played my kid's birthday party. <laughs> like him specifically. We had Susanna Hoffs, Taylor Hawkins, and I think... Christopher Cross do a jam session to raise money for this. <laughs> That's yeah, understood. And, and, and Ben, um, you know, uh, Ben Fold, the Ben of Ben Folds Five. Now I wish I love Ben Folds. Um, ben Harper. Ben Harper, another awesome. one. Oh, there was a voice in the background, as yeah. if we were on. Uh, <laughs> wants to be a millionaire. That's my conscience. But, uh, it's got a very male voice. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Okay. What you, you said that you, I, I sort of felt like you, you said that you, you sort of came of age during the disco era. What, were there any other bands that, that a young Nels Cavell loved? College was punk rock, and that was Elvis Costello and Blondie. And then I'm trying to think, like, I'm, I love Broadway shows. So that, that's always just been this constant in my life. Um, you know, my first concert was Bob Dylan Christ, and my wow. last concert, Bob Dylan. <laughs> no way. Wow. So ha have you had the chance to work with any of your idols besides Deborah Harry? So I did work with, um, Joan Jett on the, the Muppets, which was super fun. Cause she was so cool. Um, and, and I really enjoyed that. And, I don't know. You don't want to meet your 
heroes, especially your rock star heroes. Yeah, no, understood. Yes. But I am obsessed with the Eagles documentary and the Tom Petty documentary. I will watch any documentary. And this goes to what we were saying before. We didn't know. I didn't know that much about those guys. I listen to their music all the time, but they, you know, Rolling Stone would write an article about them, a cover story once a year, but you didn't have that access. They didn't have Twitter feeds. They didn't have reality TV shows. So I'm watching these things and I, and I am learning that Don Henley and um, uh, Don Felder like hate each other. And in fact, Henley will only refer to him as Mr. Felder. So these are guys who like double teamed women back in the day. But because they've sued each other so many times, they will only refer to each other like, you know, gentlemen they once met at the club 30 years ago. Yeah. Money. (laughs) Mr. Felder. Yeah. Don Henley is um, just so amazing to me because he's, so talented. He's a rock star. He's good looking. And you hate him. That's what an asshole he is. That all those other things that would make make you desirable to any straight American woman, you still look at him and go, I want to, I wouldn't. I want to <laughs> dinner with him. Well, he looks like a state senator in Texas right now. <laughs> Not, I'm not talking about a U.S. senator. I think he looks like a, a, a state senator from the state of Texas, Don Henley. There's only one cool eagle, and that's Joe Walsh, but that's a phenomenal documentary. Well, I'm so blanking on their names. The guy who's saying, take it to the limit. Um, that's not Timothy B. Schmidt. That no, was the, the other guy one. they kicked out. That was... The other guy, the guy who's saying take it to the limit, that but, guy. Okay, so that's yeah. a really sad song story because he has this beautiful voice. He has the first number one eagle hit, and Glenn Fry decides I'm going to hate him forever. And yeah, I think Don and Glenn were jerks. I think both of them that's were an jerks. Understatement. Yeah, yeah, they left Linda Ronstadt. They left Linda Ronstadt. Who uh, leaves she's Linda another Ronstadt? hero of mine. And that's and a phenomenal a really documentary. Docu- yeah, great. Yeah. Well, that's my because I'm a music nerd. Again, that uh, the other things that I'm watching, I watch every single documentary that comes out. I cannot wait, even though I hated them when I was in eighth and ninth grade because I was trained by the nuns at St. Bernard's uh, in Mount Lebanon, Pennsylvania, to hate uh, the Bee Gees. I cannot wait for the Bee Gees documentary that's going to launch on HBO uh, later this week. Cannot wait. Oh, I, I will be watching that too. Although I think I've I've watched, I, I know a little bit about them. And Andy Gibb breaks my heart, so I'm not. I'm going to have to fast forward through that part. Uh, well, I I think we're going to get a heavy dose of that in the Bee Gees documentary. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to round third base, and we're going to close it out. Nell mentioned the song "A Boy with Love." That's what we're hearing in the background. BTS are the best-selling artists in South Korean history, and they hold the best-selling album in South Korea with. Map of the Soul 7. They were ranked 45 on Billboard's top touring artists of the 2010s, and they were the only non-English speaking act on that list during the Love Yourself World Tour. They became the first Asian and the first non-English speaking act to headline and sell out Wembley Stadium in the UK, and they broke the record for the single highest grossing engagement in the Rose Bowl. I had no idea they played there. 
But they did, and they broke the highest-grossing engagement record there. Yada yada, BTS were named the most influential celebrities in South Korea by Forbes Korea in 2018 and 2020. Nell, thank you for bringing But wait, the, and they're nominated for a Grammy. Uh, th- are they nominated for a Grammy this yeah, year? Yeah, for Best Song for Dynamite, yeah, which was a huge breakthrough. They... That's that was their goal that they've been stating for years was to get nominated for a Grammy. Okay. Um, so well done, BTS. Um, I I I would also I again I could tell you every song, every lyric on the first Black Sabbath record. I could sing you War Pigs right now. I have no idea who BTS is up against. I'm assuming they're up against The Weeknd. I think I, I have up no against- idea. There, um, uh, Rain on Me, the Lady Gaga and and Ariana Grande duet. Okay. I guess they're up for best for best group song. I, I they split them now. I think that's their main competition. Do you know that song? Mm-hmm. Rain mm-hmm. on me. Let's just repeat that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you could you could put me on a show that's just called a billion dollars and put a gun to my head and said, Brendan, sing rain on me. And I wouldn't even get that. I wouldn't even know that. I have no idea. But I but again, it's liberating for me to say, I don't, I have no idea. Cause I'm a dude and I'm just broken and Irish Catholic. And we <laughs> we are strange characters, <laughs> even though I know this stuff is everywhere. Um, well, I hope now that I've introduced you to BTS, they've got this new song called Life Goes On. It's beautiful. And they, they wrote it during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And they just performed it at the Asian Music Awards. Uh-huh. And they, they, they did it beautifully where the first half, everyone is just frozen. And they're walking through people on a street scene. And then halfway through, you know, the BTS um, brings color back to the world. <laughs> and, um, were they at least and wearing everyone masks? Comes alive. No, but it very, it's very like hopeful for twenty twenty one. So the message is, we're going to get through this. Color will come back to life. Yes. Everything will be renewed and restored and better than ever. I, I'm and assuming that Kathy that, Griffin and Rosie O'Donnell will drag <laughs> Donald Trump out of the White House. I like Rosie O'Donnell dragging him out of the White House. Absolutely. You yeah. know, I used to I used to hope that Tiffany did the Tiffany Trump would be the one to to be the child who was like, you know, fuck you, you fucking monster. But I don't think that that's true. So, holy Christ, Nell, you have graced me with so much of your time. <laughs> this and is fun. Your knowledge. Is there anything? That um, that you'd like to promote, or you know, what 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 are you working on? Oh, now? well, thank you for mentioning my book, just the funny parts. Yes, please, please go check that out. Of course, on Amazon, everywhere else, you can buy books. What a great Christmas gift for those of you listening at home right now. Just the funny parts, Nels Cavell. Are you working on another book? I am assuming because you just write constantly. I do. I'm working on some TV stuff right now. I had okay, a Simpsons great. episode on this week on Sunday night. I saw that, and that is, when were you on The Simpsons originally? So I now hold the record for the longest time between writing Simpsons scripts. I wrote one for the second season, and I just wrote one for the 32nd season. And someone thought it might be 
a, a record for TV in general because there just aren't that many shows. There's one woman who wrote for Doctor Who in the original <laughs> and then came back, but I think she only, it was 28 years, so I think I beat her. <laughs> wow. That, wow, that is really fantastic. Was that a super fun uh, exercise for it you? Was. To get and it was, and it was... The table read happened at the end of last February. So it was the last time people were gathering. And it was already a little weird. Like, I wasn't shaking hands, but people were still eating their bagels off communal plates. Can you imagine? No. Crazy. No, Mm -mm. no, no. no. Anyway, it was really fun. Wow, that's fantastic. Was that the last time you were in Los Angeles? It was. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Well, Nell, you're an absolute delight. I, I'm a huge fan of yours on Twitter. Um, uh, and I, I just want everyone to know uh, out there where well, I was graced today with, with a mega writer. You know, <laughs> there are writers who say that they're writers and then there are writers who just get to work all the goddamn time because they're fucking amazing. And that is Nell Scavell. So thank you. Thank you very much. And to the rest of you, thank you so much for listening, subscribing, liking, doing all that bullshit social media stuff. The Brandocast is growing exponentially. It is still produced by Mr. Richard Sheltinga. So until the next time, cats and kittens. I'm a child, 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 I'm a